Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we're talking Michigan basketball. What do the men need to do at the Big Ten tournament to earn an NCAA tournament bid? Will the women host? We've also got hockey and football updates coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Well, I'm a passenger uh, in a car here headed back from Bloomington to Ann Arbor after the Michigan men's basketball team lost an overtime heartbreaker, much like they did the start of this road trip uh, on Thursday night at Illinois in double overtime. I don't know. Did you guys uh, you guys watch any of these exciting games? I did, yeah. They're good games. Um, obviously, you, you were there and you saw everything. I don't think I saw everything of both games, but uh, I saw some good basketball. I saw some laps yeah. in defense. I saw blown leads. I saw a little bit of everything. They were interesting <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. Comebacks, blown leads. They're playing better, like for sure. But yeah, in the end, three three total overtime periods. You know, all these games coming down to final possessions, and and you know, bottom line is Michigan just didn't get it done. They had they had the ball uh, at the end of a lot of these different you know regulation and overtimes, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like the Illinois game got good looks. Um, you know, Joey Baker open threes at the end of. Uh, you know, two of them, um, but couldn't make either. This last game, little little different. They end up with a Hunter Dickinson contested three at the yeah. end of of regulation, and then you know, over time they they end up getting you know, Dickinson loses the ball a couple of times, and and then even when the door gets left open by missed free throws by Indiana, um, yeah, Kobe Bufkin instead of getting a shot off, he tries passing it to Hunter Dickinson, and it, it doesn't go well, and they they lose again. Um, they they are playing better, no doubt. Like if they played like this earlier in the year, they 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 wouldn't have lost some of those games that they did, uh, and been in the position that they're in, which is you know needing needing to do well at the Big Ten tournament to earn an NCAA tournament bid. I was gonna say they're playing better, but it seems like you're still seeing mistakes of like a young team. You know, like go down the stretch of that against Indiana the other day, and they had that shot clock violation turnover where they didn't yeah. realize the shot clock was running down. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you mentioned that final play regulation where they kind of Hunter Dickens threw, Hunter Dickinson threw up a kind of a heave three when he didn't really need that. He needed one point to win the game, right? Which wasn't a great shot. I don't know what the play call was, but um, yeah, they are. I know there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're hanging in with some of these, some of the best teams in the Big Ten. I, I really like this Indiana team. I think they can go very far in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but at, at some point, you got to win more of these games on the stretch, and they just they haven't been able to do it. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I asked Joanne about that final play call and didn't didn't offer much. Said, you know, we got a good shot. So uh, okay. Uh, but but yeah, exactly. There there is a scoreboard at these games, and you know, even with their progress, at the end of the day, they're they're not they're not getting it done. Um, but they they did they did win enough, you know, in these final ten games to at least put themselves, you know, back in the conversation uh it, it's interesting there are there are scenarios you know entering sunday where you know michigan could have won and still not gotten the double bye in the big 10 tournament which would have been like the ideal scenario for them i think like get the win and then get the chance for like more wins in chicago maybe than they they would have had otherwise but you know that that changed by the time the, the game tipped off like you knew if they won they were going to be the two seed and, and so be it um you know, in the end, they obviously lose. Uh, they fall to the eight. They'll face Rutgers uh, in the first game Thursday. 
you know, noon Eastern time tip, uh, you know, 11 local time in Chicago uh, in, in that eight, nine game, you know, with the winner advancing to play top seed Purdue. So I think it's a, I think it's a good draw for Michigan because like you, you face another bubble team in a potential like NCAA tournament elimination game, like that should be a quad one game. And then if you win, you get a, you know, a top tier quad one game, you know, like a top 10, you know, Purdue, Purdue team. Like, I, I think, I think it's like kind of a good draw for them to, to given, given the position that they're in. Yeah. Cause there was a chance that they could have been the fifth seed too. Right. I mean, it's just crazy that one game at the last game of the season, there's a, a potential six seed swing on on one result. Yes, yes. Go, going into the day, it could have been like any anything from like <laughs> two to eight. They were all on the table. Um, they they started getting eliminated one by one, but it was still still a drop. Yeah, from from two to eight with the winner loss, and then even yeah five to eight based on that Northwestern Rutgers game. But yeah, the, like the five seed, for example, then you're playing the you know twelve thirteen winner. Like that's a game that doesn't really move the needle as much as the one they're in. And then, you know, your next game, not as, not as good. Uh, again, you win the whole thing, you get the automatic bid. So like they're in a tougher spot to do that now, of course, but uh, yeah, they, they're in a chance to, uh, you know, to, to maybe make a run in this thing. Man, but if you're Michigan and, and if they somehow are like are one of the first four teams out and that's got to be tough to, to watch the NCAA tournament, then knowing that like you were playing some of your best basketball down the stretch competing against top teams and you don't even get the opportunity to kind of make some noise in the tournament because you just let too many games slip away. Yeah, good point. I think it'd be a too too little, too late is what you know they just would, would, would apply here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like again, the whole thing about like why not Michigan? Like, you know, this, look at the standings. You know, 11, 11 teams. I, I think between nine and twelve league wins. Uh, you know, nine teams between nine and eleven wins. Like the the you know efficiency margins, if you want to get into that, tell a similar story, uh, and actually have Michigan as the second best team in in, in Big Ten play. So, um, you know what what do they need to do? That's the that's the big question. Like, there's no easy answer for that. I've been saying this all along. It's like it's a moving target. Like bids can get stolen. You know, you think you've done enough, and then you know some team in some smaller conference, you know, w- wins it and steals a bid and. You just you just don't know. You just, that's why it's 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 tough being on the bubble. But you you think probably probably need two to feel good about it. You know, you just beating Rutgers. I'm not sure that's enough. Maybe it is. Uh, but you know, beating Purdue on top of that, I, I I feel like that that could be enough to maybe even get them just in the in the field and even avoid the playing potentially. But uh, it's it's yeah. Again, it's there's no way to say this with any certainty. Now, of note here, as of this morning, uh, Jerry Palm, friend of the pod, I guess, uh, he he did update his bracket, and he's got Michigan in the first four. Um, so I got to think, yep. you know, at least a win over Rutgers later this week would probably at least firmly put them in, you know, in the conversation. And as you said, I think two wins would certainly probably put them in. But there's still, I mean, as of right now, I mean, it still looks like there's a shot for them to get in here. Yeah, there's definitely a path, but I think they're I think they're really sweating it if they if all they do is is beat Rutgers. But um, we'll see. I mean, this this Big Ten tournament in and of itself can be uh, is going to be very very um, you know uh, it's, it's going to affect the NCAA tournament selection uh, you know committee a, a lot because there's just a lot of teams that are either you know barely in or just not just out. Like there's just a lot of bubble teams in this league and. Um, you know, they can kind of sort it out here on a 
a neutral state at a neutral site. Now, if, if they lose, if, if they lose against Rutgers, I mean, it's pretty much safe to say that their their season's over, pretty much. Correct. I, I think that is safe to say, yeah, because you're you're already, yeah. This this one moved them. You, you cite Palm. He's he's probably more bullish on Michigan than than others. You know, like at ESPN, you know, Michigan is in that not even next four out to the one after that. I think they're five spots away from from the uh you know being in the field at all um you know in other sites it's a similar story so um yeah another loss and then you know only only bad things can happen like you know after that there's nothing you can do to play your way in and other teams are going to be maybe maybe yeah do the opposite and then win some games or steal some bids so yeah i think i think that's probably that's probably fair to say the the women you know narrowly uh narrowly beat penn state and then narrowly lost to Ohio State in the in their Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis. Layla Filia came back; that was huge. So they they had their they had their full full roster going. Um, you know, she looked she looked okay. You know, maybe not as good as she did. You know, when she was like before she went down. But I think it was huge to get her back. Um, like I, I I don't know. Michigan did well in the non conference. It kind of looks like they they might like just miss hosting. Like, it could go either way. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's pretty. I think if if they beat Ohio State there in that uh, corner final matchup, that that would maybe kind of solidified that um, one of those top four seeds. But I mean, the, that you're right; they are healthy, and that is huge for them going down the stretch. Um, they Ohio State will be a good tune up for the for the Big Ten or for the NCAA tournament. And it's like, all right, you you think you saw some improvements there? They they played much better against the the Ohio State trap limited turnovers like they didn't do in the first two meetings and yeah they they were in the game through throughout i mean i don't think any team had a double digit lead at any point in the game uh leah brown looked uh looked like herself for for the two games after a, a little two game absence so well i think they had the ability to beat top teams but they had to play pretty much a perfect game in order to do so because um yeah I mean, there's just there, i mean ohio state had some really i mean they they had six players averaging double double figures and there's uh there's some and i think that uh cody mcmahon my goodness what a what a player she was against uh, the wolverines and just a freshman too so we'll we'll see what happens i, I don't think it's the end of the world if michigan doesn't host but you would definitely I th- that would definitely improve their their chances if they get to, to play those first two rounds on their home court yeah, the the resume is interesting because they they did do some good things in the non conference. They just had like the one like questionable, uh, you know, loss uh, at home. I'm drawing a blank with Toledo, maybe Toledo. Um, yeah, yeah. So and then you know all their all their Big Ten losses except one, which is those top four teams that are all all in the mix to potentially host. Like those are those are some elite teams. Um, you know, the one exception being the the regular season finale against uh, you know Wisconsin when they didn't have Brown or Philia. So like. You know, there's there's just not there's not many blemishes on the resume, but maybe there's not enough, uh, you know, bright spots either to you know to warrant, um, yeah, being in that in that top sixteen when all is said and done. And I don't know, it's not it's not the end of the world. I mean, it does mean a yeah true road game potentially, you know, in that in that second round matchup. But uh, you know, that was the case for Michigan a couple of years ago, and they still they still advanced uh, to the second weekend. So um, yeah, it's more probably about the the matchup and yes having having you know a healthy healthy team is what's important but um yeah still would have been would have been nice to host and we'll see we'll, we'll find out uh you know on on sunday it'll be a uh very 
very meaningful uh, nail-biting selection Sunday in, in different ways for both programs. Uh, the hockey team is uh, in the midst of their Big Ten tournament. They they won their oh their opening round series and are moving on. Uh, yeah, Zook tells about it. Yeah, I mean that there's no uh, no hosting in uh, the NCAA tournament, but uh, they they're they are hosting their semifinal matchup after beating uh, Wisconsin the uh, best of three first round series. And I mean they were expected to to take care of business against the Badgers. Wisconsin was by far the worst team in the Big Ten this season. Uh, Michigan had uh, dominated them early or last month in a, in a two game sweep at Yost. But I mean this. It wasn't the the cleanest series at all for for Michigan. I mean, there I for I would say at least three, four, five periods they they didn't really look like themselves. And Wisconsin gave them everything they could handle. Um, just kind of some late game heroics both nights to to get, give them the sweep um, on on Friday night, and they were down five to four in the in the in the last few minutes and appeared to score the tying goal with like just over a minute left. And then after review. Uh, they actually caught a, a break because they had too many men on the ice when they scored, but because the refs didn't call it on the ice, they reviewed it and overturned the goal, but mission wasn't penalized. So they were able to pull the goalie once again and, and scored with like 20 seconds left and then won it in overtime six to five. And on uh Saturday, it was kind of reversed. They pl- they started a lot, started off a lot better, went up four to one in the first minute of the of the second period. And you're like, all right, I mean Wisconsin has they're been bad all year. They're down four to one. Uh, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the the Big Ten tournament. All right, Michigan's going to kind of roll here and, and complete the sweep. But they came storming back, tied it up early in the third um, before Michigan scored three goals in the last like two and a half minutes for a seven to four victory. Um, so yeah, hardly a, a a great series for for Michigan. But bottom line, at this time of the year. Even head coach Brandon Arado's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not good for my blood pressure, but we're we're finding ways to win. And for a young team that's the youngest in the entire country with 12 freshmen, getting wins is the is the key thing there. So um it will if they play like that against Ohio State this weekend, I don't like their chances. Ohio State obviously has played Michigan pretty well. They just faced each other in late February, including the outdoor game, and, and Michigan went 0-1-1 against them. So it should be a heck of a game on Saturday. Should be a great crowd. I know Friday night it did not feel like uh, college hockey or playoff hockey at all because of the snowstorm. I mean, there was Yost was probably about half full. Uh, we could hear like oh the puck and it was just kind of a, a dull environment. Saturday was much more uh, uh, of a playoff environment, and I expect more of the same on Saturday. I will say, I will say for the. I mean, that Adam Fantilli for Michigan is, he might be, I know Michigan's had a lot of talented players in recent years, and but I think he might be the most impressive I've covered in my six years covering this team. I mean, he's uh, during the, probably going to be the number two overall pick in the 2023 draft. And what he's doing this year, leading the nation in points, given that he the, he doesn't have the team around him like like last year's top players did, is just incredible. He had seven points on the weekend, including five goals, had a hat trick on Saturday night. All three of his goals came in the first 21 minutes, and he almost had one on uh, Friday night, too. He he scored. That was the goal that got called back for too many men. People started throwing their hats on, on, on the ice for the hat trick, and then after a review, they're like, ah, oh, yep, no, too many men on the ice, no goal. So he's just an absolute game changer for them, and I mean, without him this year, I don't think they're anywhere near a top five team. He's been that special. 
Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's crazy to watch what, what he can do out there. I mean, six foot two, 200 pounds can absolutely fly. Uh, he, I mean, he's got a hell of a shot, which was on display a few times this weekend on a few of his goals and just creates offense for himself and his teammates. And probably my favorite thing about him, he's just hard on pucks. He doesn't shy away from contact and it can win battles and he's physical, um, a little bit, uh, kind of plays on the edge a little bit and, and can get has potentially had some discipline problems this year, likes to finds himself in the penalty box a lot, but um, he, he's, he's a, he's a complete player that I think, uh, yeah, a lot of scouts will be watching the, these playoffs and into the NCAA tournament, because in any other year, I think he would be the number one overall pick, but there's kind of that another Uber prospect that will is, is expected to go number one in Connor Bedard, but we'll see. And on top of all that, he returned every single hat to the fans after the overturned call. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe the the fans were able to to uh, pick them pick them up on their way out the door in in a bin after leaving the game, but who knows? I was just gonna say, there are a lot of wasted hats. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people in the press box knew right away. They're like, uh, Michigan just had too many men on the ice. I don't think that's gonna count. But obviously, the fans were not as aware and. Um, got pretty excited. And then on Saturday, when he did score his third goal, there was a long delay before that started. I'm like, no, that one's going to count, folks. You can start throwing your hats. That's yep. his third. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> funny. Aaron, you were also uh, spent some time in Indiana this uh, this past weekend at the uh, at the NFL Combine. Um, you know, several Wolverines there, I guess. Yeah. What did you what did you learn or see that? Yeah. Would uh, interest our listenership? Yeah, Michigan had nine total invitees. Um, it wasn't as probably um, anticipated as like last year, but when they had you know Aiden Hutchinson going potentially, you know obviously going number three, but there was talk of him going number one. None of that this year. Michigan doesn't really have a surefire first round draft pick. Um, I mean, there's potential that maybe Mozzie Smith sneaks up there late first round, but at this point, they're looking at a lot of day two and day three guys. Um, so not as much attention in the, on some of these players. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, Michigan had a couple of guys really impressed. I'll start with Mozzie just because I already mentioned him, but he um, he did he didn't do much testing. He didn't do in fact he didn't do any testing at the combine. Didn't do any of the position field drill stuff. But he did decide to do the uh, the bench his final day there in Indianapolis. He decided to sit down and do it, uh, and he he did the best out of his position group. Uh, benched thirty four reps of two hundred twenty five pounds, made him number one among any of the defensive linemen. Um, I think the offensive linemen go today, so we'll see if it stands as, as, as the best of, of, of the draft class. But nonetheless, impressed. So I think he's got he's got a lot of stuff going for him there. He anticipates, from what I understand, doing the rest uh, of the tests at Michigan's Pro Day March 17th in Ann Arbor. Um, so he he did, he did well there. That was Thursday. And then Friday afternoon, DJ Turner kind of blew the doors off of the 40-yard uh, the uh, dash. I think that's kind of most of the, you know, when folks tune in the combine, that's when everyone wants to watch. Uh, and DJ delivered. He ran it 4.26 seconds. Um, initially, he got clocked at 4.27. Uh, and the official score came back even faster. So not only was he, ended up, not only did he end up being the fastest of his position group, he ended up being the fastest of the combine at all, this, this entire combine. And I, fe- I believe he's going to finish sixth all time, uh, the fastest time. So, we they saw his speed. We've heard about his speed, you know, all season long the last couple of years. Um, he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list for the athletic last year. Um, I think a lot of folks were focused on Mozzie because he was number one on the list. Well, DJ was on that list too because of his 40 time. 
Uh, Michigan had previously timed him at 4.28. So this was even quicker than that. So DJ Turner's speed is probably going to help him. He was projected coming into uh, this kind of combine as maybe a late second round, early third round pick. Um, I got to say right now, I mean, assuming his, his numbers hold up, uh, and, and he did a couple other things as well. I did the ten or the vertical where he got 38 and a half inches and then the broad jump 10 feet, 11 inches, were both, which were both very good too. Um, I got to think that's going to help his draft stock. So he's probably right now at this point, assuming he didn't bomb in the interviews with some of these NFL teams, he's probably firmly a second round pick as well. Not bad for a former three-star prospect coming out of high school. That's what I was thinking, you know, and it seemed like after 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 he ran it Friday night, I got several questions from folks, friends and, and colleagues in Indianapolis asking me, like, did you realize DJ Turner was this quick? And I don't know if any of us thought he was this this fast. I mean, the second, all, you know, all second team, all Big Ten cornerback. Um, he was good, uh, but I, I think his stature is always him. He's obviously short. That doesn't help his situation. Uh, nonetheless, NFL teams are always looking for speedy guys, especially, you know, in, on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary. So I, I, I got to think it's going to help the situation. He's certainly going to get a look from a lot of a lot of folks. There's some very good cornerbacks in this draft. They're obviously going to go first. Uh, but I, I got to think DJ's uh, certainly helped himself this week. Aaron, I feel like I ask you this every year. You get down on the field there to, you know, do get tested yourself on a few of these things. No, it's funny. I've been to four of these, four, I think, combines. I was trying to figure it out last week, and I've never been on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium for the combine stuff. I, I think the media, they're allowed, um, but you're not, like, allowed to get close. And I think this year, in fact, they put us, they put them up in the stands in one little seat, in the seat in one of the sections. So I didn't bother to get down there. Um, they, in fact, this year they moved the bench press out of the uh, the available, like, viewing area for the press. They moved the bench back on the, on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium as well. So they're kind of starting to – start starting to kind of slowly gravitate away from like the media area. Um, so no, I didn't, I didn't get to do any of it. Do you think you could uh, crack five seconds in the 40? I think you asked me this last year. <laughs> um, if I was in shape, probably maybe a five, two, five, three, I don't know. Um, I've never, I don't think I've ever ran the 40. I never played football. So right. I, I never, there's no reason to, um, but I like to think I'm, I'm relatively fast and I got some burst of me, but I, I don't know. I have no idea. Bursty McMahon yeah. reporting from Indianapolis. Yeah, so some reports were coming out on the various speeds, of, including one uh, the other night when I was, you know, on press row for Michigan basketball game. I won't won't say which writer and I won't say which Michigan football player, but he was, uh, you know, he was knocking the, the forty time that it, that had come out for him. And uh, I was asking, did he think he could he could beat it? Uh, wasn't he wasn't sure wasn't he wasn't sure, but, sure. <laughs> uh you know similar similar number i guess to what you're throwing out there but yeah interesting stuff how much this plays in you know just besides what they've actually the tape they put on you know over multiple years in actual games like this 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 stuff definitely matters too it, it's funny too because that you're right that that kind of came up too in some of the interviews with some of the players like ronnie bell joked about it like i, I spent like two months training to run a straight line when he's never really <laughs> had to do that before and and it, you know it matters for a guy in his position a receiver cornerback and, and everything else and then you talk to uh an offensive lineman like ryan hayes we spoke to him on saturday morning and he really wanted to do it. You know, he was asked the question, like, do you, do you, why, why are offensive linemen running 40? It's like, what does that have to do with your, your job, you know, your skills yeah. and everything else? And he says he wants to do it. He's always wanted to do it. So I think it, it, it certainly varies depending on the player and the position and everything else. Um, you know, it's still NFL teams put a lot of stock in this stuff, especially at some of the skill spots, whether it's receiver, you know, corner that, and the like, linebacker and the edge rusher and everything else. 
Um, but yeah, there's still a thing, uh, still valuable. Uh, NFL teams still come out for it. And so it's certainly always a uh, interesting, uh, interesting week. Yeah. I, I still don't like how some people make huge deals out of like certain positions recording, like insane, uh, marks in, in certain, the, in certain drills. Like, I mean, like Anthony Richardson being able to jump really high. Like, I mean, yeah, great. He's athletic, but like, when is a quarterback going to be leaping over, like doing jumping that often or like the lineman, uh, I think a lineman or uh, had like a really high vertical that was better than most tight ends. I'm like, all right, that's great. But like uh, <laughs> our lineman are we jump into catch passes or anything like that? Probably not, but it it is fun, fun fodder for, for people to distress, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yes, as we, as we covered up uh, winter sports are, uh, you know, moving into the, they're in postseason play now with the games only getting, you know, more important as, as we move along. So we'll be, covering uh, all of that on m5.com slash wolverines and here on this podcast thanks for listening